Hello, welcome to ATM, Artists Talk Movies, a podcast interviewing creatives about films that have inspired and or influenced their personal studio work. I'm Hyde Fontenot, and I'm here with co-host Aaron Stafford. We're here to talk about contemporary art and the creative impulse with new guests each episode. We're having casual conversations. We don't pretend to be authorities. We're hoping to give you a window into the visionary process of makers. You may conquer the land. You may slaughter the people. That is not the end. We will rise again. The day Rome falls, there will be a shout of freedom such as the world has never heard before. of my people and in their future. Hi, Aaron. I'm, I'm actually looking at you today because we're, we're both in Dallas and we're sitting on a bench together. Yes, we are. And we're usually remote. And yes, we are. This is, it's really nice to be in your company. No, we got to chat for about an hour mm-hmm. and get caught up a little bit and all the juicy gossip. Yeah, and, and you're just as cute as I remember. Oh, you too. <laughs> you too. Cute as a button. And... Don't lie to me. <laughs> so, um, we have invited Celia Eberly. Yes. Which I've actually, I don't think I've met Celia in person, although yeah. I've been a big fan of her work well, for ages now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Celia is somebody that I knew, I first met when mm-hmm. she was showing with Cynthia Mulcahy Gallery okay. in Dallas, yeah. and uh, her work has just always amazed me, mm. and whenever I have to talk about Celia, I'm always like, she's our Louise Bourgeois. <gasps> oh, yeah. You know? Because <laughs> yes. her work is just like, uh, like working in so many materials and mm-hmm. so much like really interesting and personal subject matter. And, mm-hmm. and the work is always really good. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, she deserves a lot more than she has got, gotten professionally. Yeah. Like a lot of us, maybe. But she's lots <laughs> of big coups. I mean, I was looking right? at her uh, resume and... Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. she's a she's a catch yes. to get on the podcast. That's true. And That's I'm, true. I'm I'm happy to have her. So, well, I'll uh, I'll read uh, Celia's bio, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Celia Eberly is a Texan who always wished Texas would quit celebrating its terrible past. Yes, amen <laughs> we, to that. we can relate. Uh-huh. Uh, her work <laughs> exists somewhere between the intellectual and the instinctive, because of the variety of materials and approaches. Uh, that she uses. Uh, she's constantly learning and never very sure if the work is going to uh, turn out. Uh, but she feels the tension created by the processes uh, contributes to the depth of the work. Her work is political, but her politics are filtered through a sense of ageless struggle. It's a philosophical pursuit. In uh, 2015, she received the Joan Mitchell Foundation Painters and Sculptors Grant. Mm-hmm. In uh, 2019, she received the Adolf and Esther Gottlieb Individual Support Grant uh, for a project called Waiting. Oh, perhaps this is different. Sorry, uh, Waiting for Robot uh, is a Nasher Public project. Mm-hmm. It's an exhibition featuring animatronics that ran from the end of July this year until the beginning of October of 2022 mm-hmm. uh, at the Nasher Sculpture Center. Uh, she'll be showing with Chris Worley, Fine Arts, 
in Dallas in April of uh, 2023 and has been invited to have a solo show with Blue Star Contemporary in 2024 in San Antonio. Um, Celia, are you there? I am. <laughs> well, welcome. Well, welcome to ATM. Thank you for being on. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You, what you're, a pleasure. You're always on my wish list, no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're, you're, uh, we're, we've called you at your home in um, rural Texas, uh, east of Dallas. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Ennis. What? What's the name of the town? Ennis. Ennis, right, oh, yeah. right, right. Oh my gosh, I think that's where some of my grandfather's family still lives. Oh. I have lots oh. of family that I never see out there. But They're, they're yeah. probably harassing Celia they... at this moment for being the town weirdo. <laughs> this is true. I have nothing to do with anyone in town. Uh, <laughs> um, that's one way to handle it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and your your neighbor is Tom and Dottie, Tom right. Sales and Dottie. Right. Oh, no. Yeah, yes. so yeah, cool. yeah. So I've been out to Celia's studio, and and so um, this week you're bringing us the film Ben Hur. Right, right. Very old movie. Fifty nine. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And they recently did a remake, although I can't what? imagine it being very good. Has it, was, it been released? Yes, year a few years ago, I think. Were you aware of the Celia? Yes, I was, and that's why I kind of emphasize that was the one from 1959 there there have been several but uh the earlier ones i think were silent yes yeah i think the one from the 20s i think was silent although that was a big deal at the time yes it was an epic too all of the movies are these epic sort of big blockbustery kind of movie so it almost gets like they all feel that way now uh-huh um but ben hur was like a really big deal uh, oh when it yeah was released i had no i had never seen it and it's definitely not a movie that i would be drawn to naturally no um, but i didn't, <laughs> I didn't hate Did, it aren't you i thought you and, liked to watch gladiator movies yeah, on, you know, on the, <laughs> in your bubble it's, bath it's my guilty pleasure what can i say um yeah um, I saw it as a child, and did the, you really? the only thing I remember are, of course, the chariot races mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're super dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and Celia, you said that you saw this when when it was first released. I it? did, yes, yeah. So I was about nine when I saw it, so it was very uh -huh. impactful for yeah. me. Yeah, uh, on the big screen. Was that an appropriate age, or like were they? Did they? I guess they didn't have the rating system back no. then. No, no, they so did not. Kids, because it was kind of a violent. It movie, is. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But except for the violence, it really seemed targeted to my age bracket. You know, in retrospect, right? It had everything that I was acculturated to appreciate. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so. So because uh, Jesus does a few cameos in, in the film, if we can call it that, yeah. like, uh -huh. um, yeah, it's a, I, I might call it a biblical epic. Yeah. Uh, that's the subtitle to the novel that it was based on is the story of Jesus. But Jesus really has nothing to do with it except uh -huh. that uh, he, he 
he provides the literal Dusix machina. You know, it's uh-huh. he's just there to provide the miraculous happy ending. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> by by dying. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And I guess healing some folks towards the end, providing some miracles of of sorts, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I had to, embarrassingly, and I went to a Christian school for, I think, nine plus years, and I was like, did Ben Hur, like, was that a person in the Bible? Like, I didn't really know. And totally fictitious. Yeah, this was Totally, totally fictitious. And when I... Fan fiction. Right. When I found out that it was written by a Civil War colonel, that totally took the sheen off of it for me. And I found Mm -hmm. that out when I was still a kid, you know, I was like... No! Wow, my my jaw is hanging open. Yeah, that's wild. So this is basically Christian propaganda. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. Oh, I was going to say Charlton Heston, like before Planet of the Apes, he had quite a career in biblical epics. It was sort of like yes. his his vehicle. Uh, yes. In um, a Wait. film I'm much more familiar with is The Ten Commandments. Is Planet of the Apes not biblical? <laughs> it is! <laughs> no. It it's is. Pla- in Revelation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and, you know, his whole career is kind of a through line from, you know, uh, I guess there are sort of biblical intonations to the um, Omega Man mm-hmm. and Soylent Green. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, all of those were... Holy smoke. Sort of, um, I guess you could say, civiliz- civilizational transformations, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And he's the um, uh, protagonist. He's the, yes. he's the good guy. He's yeah. the guy that knows the truth and, like, maintains e- ethics or morality. Mm-hmm. Yes, Yes. Although maybe uh, falters every once in a while with some, you know, struggles with, with, um, within, like, he had his moments, you know. <laughs> well, but, he wouldn't um, be a sympathetic hero if he were uh-huh. perfect. That's true. Right. That's true. Right. Yeah, he was definitely right. had some, had some tension there. Um, Celia, could you do our audience a ginormous favor and summarize the movie for us in, as little or as many words as you <laughs> care to. Because it is kind of a long movie. It is know. a hugely long movie. It's three and a half hours. There's yeah. an intermission. There's a, uh, what was the oh, beginning? Oh, yeah. Uh, an overture. The prologue oh, or the yeah. overture. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it had that very formal theatrical quality mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really was one of those old movie spectaculars with a cast of thousands. Literally, yeah. Yeah, and it is a story of revenge, and it just Mm -hmm. drips testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So (laughs) it's two privileged white dudes who grew up together, but Mm -hmm. their patriarchal and custodial birthrights clash, Mm -hmm. and misadventure and deadly mayhem ensue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, A more detailed um, synopsis would be... uh, that Ben-Hur is a Jewish prince. He's played by Charlton Heston, a prince of Judea, and he refuses to help Masala, a Roman tribune and his childhood friend, to subjugate uh, Ben-Hur's people for Rome. Uh-huh. Uh, and so in punishment, he is forced into slavery on a Roman galley, which is a warship, and his mother and sister are thrown into the deepest, darkest dungeon. 
Mm-hmm. And he survives by the sheer strength of his determination to seek vengeance. Mm-hmm. Hatred is very powerful. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So there's a battle at sea in the famous famous uh, chariot race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, well, that just that's about it. When they when they throw the spears together and repeat <sighs> down arrows yes. up Mars, that uh-huh. sums up the plot. Yeah, you're right. It also it also displays the movie's confusion of cultures because Eros yeah. is Greek and Mars is Roman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh wow! Okay, so for our audience who has not seen this or uh, does not remember this detail, mm-hmm. when uh, J- Judah Ben Hur and Masala, uh, who's a Jewish um, uh, prince, and Masala, who's uh, like a Roman kind of governor. He's a uh, tribune, yeah. Tribune, okay. Yeah, when they're childhood friends, and when they meet again, they're reunited. They're very happy to see each other. They're hugging, and they, mm. they, they, they're in, I guess, uh, Ben-Hur's, where are they? Uh, well, they're the, in, um, the I guess, the governing palace. Yeah. It's, yeah, sort of the, the yeah. seat of the government. Yeah, and the and the wall is lined with all of these spears. It's like an arsenal, yeah. and so they each take up a spear and uh, like javelin, and they throw it in, into the the beams of the building, and they both hit kind of a bullseye, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But but the way the spears point down is what you're talking about, because I don't know if I recall this detail. Oh, I see. Is that what you're saying, Celia? Is that no? What I'm what I'm saying is when they do that. They yeah. say down Eros up Mars, oh. which is down oh. love yeah. up war, yeah. and oh, that's really, fuck. yeah, that's really the the theme of the movie. I because because yeah. uh, uh, Judah cannot um, consummate his relationship with Esther because mm-hmm. he's too eaten up with um, the mm-hmm. sense of revenge, the need to. Uh, Right. Vindicate his family. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that I struggled with some of the names, but it helped to remember my Sala because I kept thinking about Chicken Marsala. <laughs> yes, like, it is so yes. in my head now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, um, yeah. And so and Judah, uh, Judah Ben Hur is like matzo ball, yeah. and like <laughs> Esther is like a falafel. Yes, yes, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I struggled. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I heard, so I I wasn't sure, Hyde, how you were going to react to this film, because sometimes you struggle with the longer movies, it seems, but you said you really enjoyed this one. Erin is talking about my narcolepsy yes. right now. <laughs> but, and it was very, like, you know, it had a lot of, like, you know, some sort of lots of religion and, and yeah. of course so when you said that you really enjoyed it i was sort of surprised right right i think i was too because <laughs> <laughs> okay. when you look at the running time and you're yeah, and you're and you're like immense. oh okay i have to like ramp up to watch a three and a half hour film mm-hmm. you know and it's about uh christianity yeah. <laughs> I chose it for you, Hyde. <laughs> That's, I knew you were being what a, what a sweetheart, <laughs> Celia. Thank you so much. <laughs> but but um, you know, I, I I meant to do like a little like research on this, but of course I I'm only remembering this now. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about like m- like my emotional investment in this, and like 
Celia, when you're talking about how uh, the main character, Judah Ben-Hur, uh, becomes enslaved by the Romans and he's forced to row on a warship. He's mm -hmm. just, he's like chained into the hull of a ship and his his only job, he's like a mechanical gear. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and people people are dropping like flies. You know, people are just like, if, if they become sick or are wounded, uh, the Romans are just so heartless and they just whip them to death. Right. And like, it, so you, you really get, they build on this underdog uh, and and like claustrophobic mm -hmm. and like claustrophobic. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Because they're and, chained. Yeah, yeah. It's like and for the rest of your life, like you have no value to the Romans except as something that pushes the ship forward, and we we will not hesitate to kill, just kill mm -hmm. you. And um, you know, to watch him, like you said, it's it's also a tale of revenge. And so as we watch him kind of like struggle as an oppressed um what do you call it? like a, a marginalized person mm -hmm. and like a slave and mm -hmm. an ethnic group yeah that's like yeah. you know targeted um uh -huh. yeah it's it's very relatable and like his also his sense of um being um uh like like i i feel like okay where i'm going with this is that when you are sort of like a neglected or abused child, <laughs> yes, you, al you also grow up with a like a, a almost a rabid sense of justice, mm. and you, yes, you want justice not just for yourself but for everyone. Mm -hmm. And when you see people abused and exploited, you uh, it just really hurts mm -hmm. at the core yes. of you. And right. I feel like that was my connection to the film. And like mm -hmm. even though I was kind of like. Yeah, haha, ha. like, you know, Charlton Heston, like, I, you know, like, yeah. what an underdog. Uh, <laughs> the furthest thing from, actually. But. Right, oh, exactly. And it also made me think about, like, what we're dealing with right now with white Christian nationalists. Oh, and how yes. They like to paint themselves yeah. as the victim, as someone not allowed to practice their religion, meaning they're not allowed to say and do hurtful and harmful mm -hmm. things to people that are not in their church <laughs> exactly so, exactly yeah so i was i could kind of see this film becoming popular again among like oh. white christian nationalists yeah because i it, think it may be i mean yeah. i don't know this for a fact but uh you know yeah. just researching it online there seems to be quite a bit of obsession with this movie yeah still. and charlton heston who's the spokesper uh, spokesperson for the national rifle association yeah right mm -hmm. you I know that, that when you were sort of talking about um the white nationalists um hi um i found these quotes from charlton heston and it's he's fascinating because he started out politically as being quite liberal he was supportive mm -hmm. of the civil rights movement and then like sort of took a hard right at some point. Mm -hmm. I think in the 70s, he started to get into like the Nixon campaign. Oh, and wow. was real like big fan of Reagan, real like gag. But, um, <laughs> right. Um, but he said these, you know, okay, so he really, really hated, I mean, I'm saying this past tense because I think he died. Um, but he, he did. He, yeah. He developed Alzheimer's and he died. Right, so like, right. yeah. how much did that affect his turn to I the right? I know, I know, <laughs> right? right? Um, but he uh, really hated yeah. PC culture in the 90s. He was just like, ugh. And, and he really kind of 
uh, sort of had this weird hard on for <laughs> criticizing like the media and educators. Um, so he said, um, let me find this quote here. Um, he's sort of talking about how, in, and I say this in quotes here, the God-fearing, law-abiding, Caucasian, middle-class Protestant. And basically, he's framing this as like they're the victims against the media and the educators and entertainers. Oh. Or even worse, the evangelical Christians, uh, Midwestern, Southern, or even worse, rural, apparently straight, or even worse, admitted heterosexuals, gun <laughs> only, or even worse, NRA card-carrying average working stiff or even worse male working stiff because you don't not only do you not count but you are a downright obstacle to social progress and so he really took this oh weird, my God. Truth. so extreme <laughs> what like, a oh fucking God. baby oh, he what? Like, oh, the, the the downtrodden straight white male. Yeah, poor, poor <laughs> things out there. Wow. I mean, give me a fucking break. So it's strange. <laughs> and I thought when I was watching Ben-Hur and at the beginning, Ben-Hur as a, as a character is a very passive, peaceful uh, you sweaty, know, <laughs> sweaty, kind of like in terms of like their his philosophy, and then you know as the movie continued, he became more violent, I suppose, or you know like again like you were talking about the revenge was kind of like consuming him, but you know I couldn't help but think about Charlton Heston and his sort of gun nut, you know what did he say in that one? Uh, when you pry it from my cold, cold dead, dead hand, hands. when you yes. yes. have my weapon, when you and it's like. I just couldn't help but hear that while Charlton Heston was playing Ben-Hur and being this sort of peaceful <laughs> advocate. And I'm just like, ah. You know what this kind of reminds me of is like Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, or so he says, <gasps> mm-hmm. is that like maybe these movie stars become delusional mm-hmm. and they start to buy into their own hype and the characters they play. I thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that a lot. Like I'm gonna save white Christian, mm-hmm. like, uh, like culture. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're under attack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yikes. They think they truly are heroes. Yeah. Yeah, patriots even. <laughs> right. Yeah, and right. Celia, I know you you kind of mentioned this. Um, where you're kind of interested in this idea of patriotism as a theme that gets presented throughout Ah. this movie. And so I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Like it's very like, you know, this is who I am and I'm going to stand up for my cultural values and, you know, there's... Well, it it is part of that post-war jingoism. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of it. All Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, It's just reinforcing the idea that America won because it was righteous. Right. And a righteous hero always triumphs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And and not only that, but God's on our side. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is I mean, absurd. Yeah. That's what righteousness is about, is mm-hmm. God is on our side. We are the ones who, who God has chosen, you know. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, wow, you can do a lot of horrible things if you think you have. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like if you. Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah, and you do. <laughs> yeah, and you do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 
Yes. Ah. So I found out that Charlton Heston really... So did he win an Academy Award for this movie? I thought he might have won Best Actor, maybe. I think this film was award, like awarded like a, 11 Academy Awards right. or something. The most at that time, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was an, an ungodly amount. No <laughs> ungodly. Ungodly. But... Um, he, yeah, I mean, it's it's such an epic film. It's like, it's definitely, it was probably the most expensive film to produce at the yeah. time. Okay, it Charlton was, Heston yeah. did win Best Actor in uh-huh. a Leading Role. And I found out that he, the director, um, wanted him to, to tear up or cry at certain moments, and he couldn't do it. So they he would just, like, hide his eyes with his hands in these moments of like you know great sadness and i i was just confused because i was like i don't think it was a great performance i don't know who the competition was that year but like it was also a different style of acting at the time which is like um (laughs) so um man and like yeah um Uh it was very mannered and stilted the the yes uh it, it sounds stilted because they were, I mean, part of the reason it sounds stilted is that they were trying to make it sound more like old yeah. English, so it sounded more biblical. Oh, right. Yeah. It was so over the top. I and mean, it's just not done today, so it's really jarring to hear it now. Yeah, mm-hmm. melodramatic. What yeah, right, that? right. And of course, I sent you to that video of The Simpsons. Of yes. Y'all. Yes. I grew up, so like a lot of my knowledge of uh, pop culture is through The Simpsons. And so uh-huh. I never saw Planet of the Apes, but uh-huh. I saw that episode of The Simpsons. Uh-huh. And I could not not hear that while Charlton Heston was acting. Like, I felt like he was going to jump into this (laughs) song and dance about Planet of the Apes, a la Simpsons. So what Erin's talking about is she sent us a clip of, um, you know, on The Simpsons, there's a character named Troy McClure (laughs) that is fashioned after Charlton Heston, Uh I believe. Mm -hmm. But also maybe not just Charlton Heston, but probably like Troy Donahue Mm -hmm. and like any, any like... Rock Hudson, any like hyper right. square jawed yeah. like movie idol, yeah. and um, they've they've decided to make a Broadway musical based on Planet of the Apes. Of course they would. <laughs> and it's so yeah, and funny. so yeah, there's funny. But he really did capture this Charlton Heston kind of yes. mannerism that it's like. It's kind of jerkiness or something in the acting. Yes. It's just so Kind weird. of like William Shatner, too. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, going back to the awards that this film received, mm-hmm. I remember, yeah, so it's like Best Picture, mm-hmm. Best Actor, Best Supporting I mean, Actor, Best Director, Best Cinematography, you know. Yeah. It just, yeah, it goes on and on. And, and I remember... Um, Maybe it was around Titanic when when mm-hmm. they were winning and mm-hmm. and um no 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 wait oh. or was it oh shoot maybe it was around an Oliver Stone movie where oh man so I I remember some journalists sort of uh, mocking the awards and say instead of the uh, award for best acting we should have the award for most acting <laughs> and, and most cinematography uh-huh. because. Because that's really what it comes down to yeah. with these yes. like bombastic projects yes. that are just like, uh-huh. well, I mean, how do you ignore that there's a thousand mm-hmm. costumed actors in the scene? Yeah. And like, 
and uh, 30 horses and you know it's like well we, we got to give them something I mean right. they, <laughs> they brought this, the whole circus they to spent town. all this money yeah like, we gotta you're and when you said Titanic high that actually to me rings true because like if you look back at that movie I don't think the acting is great but because it was sort of at this advanced mm-hmm. you know in terms of the technology and this sort of epic presentation and it was also another really long movie and it's just like yes. it was just sort of meant to win a lot of awards in the same way that I think Ben Hur yeah. won a lot of awards. Yeah. I, in some ways, I wish I could sort of tweak Ben Hur mm. to just go a little bit further because then it would uh-huh. be camp, and oh, and it would be it, it would be like showgirls, like mm-hmm. wi- like William Sh- uh, William Shatner. <laughs> um, Charlton Heston uh-huh. is like inches away from the yes. the lead in Showgirls, like throwing her French fries and having uh-huh. tantrums, uh-huh. And, and like <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so, Celia, I don't want to forget to talk about your work. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this film is, like, it's, there's a lot to talk about here. And a lot, maybe a lot to celebrate. I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, about your background. So, you're nine years old watching this film. And oh, yes. And we went to church. And yeah. we, we went to a Presbyterian church, which is okay. good. In yeah, that moderate. We, mm. Right, and we believed in questioning things, and we didn't think the Bible was literal and all right. that. So, so I yeah. just maintained that sort of questioning on into, you know, yeah. adulthood. Yes, and you know, became aware that things weren't true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't <laughs> as they were presented. <laughs> you know, I did like Jesus's yeah. introduction. Um, in this movie which is kind of like he's kind of lazy like he's not lazy but like somebody's asking like isn't your son just kind of lazy and they're like no he's doing his own work and I'm like hard eye roll but (laughs) I, I did like that because I feel like that kind of philosophical uh, sort of endeavors don't really get counted as words. Right. You know? Right. right. So, That's so, what's wrong. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, that is a major part of what's wrong. It's yeah. philosophical. Mm-hmm. People yeah. should understand it in terms yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, the greatest lessons are, are you know, forgiveness and. Right. Um, yes, you know the golden rule, right? Like, and and those are totally ignored. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, like, like I was actually thinking about this uh, maybe just after I watched this film, but this this sort of battle cry to turn America into like a Christian nation specifically, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what, guys, I will I will lay forth this challenge to you. If you can take care of all the mental health issues mm-hmm. in the U.S., all the unhoused in in the U.S., feed people, mm-hmm. start to distribute wealth. Like if you if you want to call it Christianity, like let's go back to what Jesus really taught us, and that like when we start to take care of our people, then yeah, let's go ahead and call it a Christian nation because we're walking what the talk. Yeah. Wait. Right. right, we're walking the talk. Yes, but that is not what they it's want. They not... just want the power. Exactly. And that's a... why they. That's why they want the Bible to be literal because you can justify anything. Yes. With the Bible. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. 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 Yeah. 
Right. Like, they just want to go after trans kids instead <laughs> yes. of... Yes. And, and, you yeah. know, just like Jesus. Jesus hated trans kids. And he, Absolutely. he was always like, get that kid out of here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, forgive the men, but keep stoning those women. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Can we talk? Now we're kind of maybe in this sort of tangent here, but um, I thought it was really fascinating that one of the writers of Ben Hur was sort of interjecting some like queer coded yes princes. yes and yes what Gord i found Gorvid all yeah what i found out was that yeah. charlton heston like they intentionally from what i understand they intentionally did not tell him that this was going on <laughs> right stephen boyd the chicken marcella guy like, <laughs> he knew and i just yes. think that's so interesting it know? is very interesting oh yeah. so i don't think i realized that uh Gore Vidal was the playwright or the, the screenwriter? No, or he the... just had a little bit to do yeah. with uh, setting up that relationship between uh, Judah and uh, Masala. Masala. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just wrote that part and because they couldn't come up with a reason why they would have such an intense relationship. Right. Um, so uh-huh. they thought, I mean, Vidal said, well, maybe they had this homoerotic background uh-huh. and uh-huh. And you can kind of see in um, Charlton Heston's face if you look at it, he's he's looking kind of uh, distressed at, at how extremely um, Stephen Boyd is playing his part. You know, oh, <laughs> you can see there's this. Okay, you can I see have there's to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 at least that early part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're introduced, like there's there's a there's a. There's something, there's something to their relation. Like, there's a history, you know. Yes. So, so if we change the musical soundtrack to, like, something with a bass line, uh, it's going to look like the the precursor to them take, taking wow, their wow. tokens off <laughs> and, 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 and crossing swords. I will say, okay, after the um, intermission, you know, because I was like, I'm going to sit through the intermission. I'm not going to fast forward. I'm going to do this properly. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised at the next scene, which was like a men's spa kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is kind of sexy. Like, yes. I'm okay with this. Yes. Yeah. It was extremely sexy. The whole movie is tremendously yeah. sexy. I mean, but it, it was okay because it was a biblical epic. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, like in a lot of um, paintings that were commissioned by the church, like the, yes. the ecstasy of Saint what's mm-hmm. whatever. Teresa. It's like, yes. Yeah. They are... Um, yeah, there's like eyes rolling back in the head, yeah. like open mouth, like kind of prone body, mm-hmm. and it's all about a spiritual uh, orgasm. Yeah, well, yeah. Right? She may have it? actually, she may have actually mistaken a, uh, a spontaneous orgasm for oh. uh, the spirit of God. Oh, yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> for a scientific. She's like, scientific what's going standpoint. on? It must be God. <laughs> yeah. She oh. didn't know what else it could be. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
<laughs> Celia, I wanted to talk to you about your uh, some older work that you've done with your perfume bottles and oh, have yeah. this interest in sort of love and relationships. And there, it, there are several, not, not just Charlton Heston and Stephen Boyd having some sort of perhaps relationship, but then there's another relationship with Esther um, that forms. I don't know, like we're... Did, how did you feel about their relationship in this movie? And then is there any sort of connection back to the perfume bottles or the music boxes that you made? So he cannot um, commit to Esther because he's so concerned about recovering his mother and sister, which right. is, seems infantile. You know, mm-hmm. he can't move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, uh, it... I was just, when I was working on that um, mythology of love, I was thinking about um, the vagaries of love Mm -hmm. and how um, love is is very fragile and fleeting at times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if we can't, I mean, some people have to have serial relationships. Mm -hmm. They can't be monogamous yeah. And that's because they don't ever develop a... They don't get past the falling in love stage. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that is that is very... It's um, a drug. It's, mm-hmm. it's a drug. Uh-huh. That is a drug. And if you don't get past that and develop an abiding love, mm-hmm. then um, you will always be seeking love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I referred to people like Elizabeth Taylor and mm-hmm. Elvis and... Uh-huh. And people like that in the movie, in the movie, in the show. Yeah. Because um, they sort of represent, um, well, she, well, she represented a love goddess, and he was a love god mm-hmm. in pop yeah. culture. Yeah. Pop yeah. culture. And I, I felt that they were very um, useful symbols for exploring these concepts. Yeah. So... Talk about, but anyone unfamiliar with your work, Celia, I, I wanted you to talk about these particular pieces. Like, what did you make a piece about Elizabeth Taylor or that where she's yes. the center? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. So I, I constructed a very large piece that would, well, I say it's very large. Uh, it was large for the moment. Um, I guess it was about five feet across. It's a long table. Yeah. And underneath the table, there are all of these um, finials that hang down below the table. So it mm-hmm. sort of ex- suggests uh, a cave mm-hmm. and sort of suggests architecture. Uh-huh. And then on top is a music box. And it relates to a movie that Elizabeth Taylor was in that I also saw when I was in high school mm-hmm. uh, called Secret Ceremony. And that's oh. the title of the piece. I don't know this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a British uh, movie. Uh-huh. It has, um, well, I, I had her name on the tip of my tongue now. Mia Farrow. Mia oh. Farrow was in it. Yeah, so um, Elizabeth Taylor is someone who's really down on her luck. Mm-hmm. She's lost her daughter. Her daughter has died. Mm-hmm. And Mia Farrow is someone who is very well off. And she sees Elizabeth Taylor and considers her uh, a dead ringer for her lost mother. Ah. So they start this very complex relationship. 
and uh, the British version, it's a lesbian relationship, but the American version sort of soft-pedaled it as a mother-daughter uh-huh. Yeah, mother-daughter relationship. Oh my Which God. is so much more kinky. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you watch the movie and you try to, you know, try to parse out what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you, and you're supposed to think it's mother-daughter, but I certainly didn't think that when yeah. I saw it. This but, feels um, so typically American, too, that we're going to, like, is. let's subvert the sexual meaning of this and make exactly. it straight up perverse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they make it more perverse, but yes, exactly. That's, that's so, exactly what so happens. So cinema is kind of important in your work. You reference it. Like yes. pre ATM, mm-hmm. pre the, like we didn't bring this mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. but like you, you find inspiration in cinema. I do. I, mm-hmm. I actually think it's the highest art form. I mean, maybe uh, virtual, you know, virtual reality will overtake that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has yet. I mean, not, not yeah. the it's not, not the virtual. Yeah. Right. Right. But um, I mean, it embodies everything mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. theater to. Um, music to art, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. film. It's it's everything. Yeah. And yeah. so a good movie, a really immersive movie, mm-hmm. is a world. I mean, you yeah. you were talking about world build, building at one point, and uh-huh. and it does build a world that you live in for that for the length of the movie. Yeah. It's a really good yeah. movie. Yeah. Absolutely transportive. Very transportive. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, um, have you seen any movies recently that you've really enjoyed? Um, I've seen a lot of Asian movies recently, but um, they mostly center around crime. Crime? So I don't... Uh Uh Crime. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. So, I don't think that they are, you know, particularly... They're not influencing in any other respect in that they're uh-huh. um, they're a window into a culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's valuable to have a window into a culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. while they may not be, you know, so engrossing as some movies, they they do provide you with some insight into another kind of world. Yeah, totally. Um, one of the movies I watched, and I can't think of the name of it, but part of it was supposed to have taken place before they flooded uh, all those areas with that uh, Three Rivers Dam. Oh, okay. So they they flooded this entire um, area uh-huh. that people were living in. Were they and not so able they, to evacuate pre- before no, the... They evacuated the people, but they totally uprooted their lives and yes. their lifestyles. And so the villages yeah. are just in the bottom of this lake now. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, villages that were self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And then new construction as well. Giant apartment complexes oh, that they just God. swallowed up. I mean, mm-hmm. so this in, in part of this movie, uh, this woman is on a trip on... Um, a boat that's talking about what what is going to happen. I mean, they're announcing on the boat what is going to happen to this area as soon as they flood it, because it's part of their their giant project. Their mm-hmm. one of their leaps forward. 
Yes. <laughs> is this okay? Are we talking about a movie? Yes. Oh, we're talking about a movie. Okay. Well, I, well actually, yeah. we're we're talking about like a phenomenon that happens yeah, in that, China. It, sure, it really happens. Oh, but then stories built yes. around this. Is that correct, Celia? <laughs> it's not really built around it, but it's just something. It's just a segment in the movie. Okay. okay. And I can't even remember the title of the movie now. It's an okay. Asian movie. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, obviously, it's a Chinese movie, and uh -huh. it is about a criminal um, activities. Oh, I, and uh, I wonder if they can actually be in in Chinese cinema if they can be critical of something right. that the government has done, like build a dam and yeah. flood these villages out, Ugh. or if they're if they're allowed. Probably that not opinion. now, right? I mean, at pro probably not at this particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe when it was made, it might have been acceptable but uh-huh because it was probably made about 10 years ago okay mm, okay and so the movie is looking back i mean oh, the movie is looking back at something that had already happened okay yeah because we really i mean for all the you know shittiness of america like <laughs> at least i think we can still make the things we want to make and be critical in the ways that we can be critical of this is the this yeah. is the thing that we have at least got going for us yeah. is that yeah. we can be self-reflective and mm -hmm. self-critical mm -hmm. and if we lose that mm -hmm. then we've lost everything basically yeah. right yeah i mean and it, 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 we really still struggle with like you know s some censorship and like what that oh, yes sure. you know sure. how that manifests and but um or giving people back these platforms that have been happening recently. But yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, like I, I feel as an American artist, I can make work that I want to make work about. Mm -hmm. Now the, the, uh, the flip side of that, it's like, you know, the institutions that have the boards and the collectors, like they tend to be more conservative. So you don't feel like, yes, <laughs> right. you really can say, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, um, your, your work is shaped by, you know, the mm -hmm. world that will accept it. So, mm -hmm. right, unless right. you just want to be completely isolated, yeah, which yeah, yeah, many people have been. I mean, and only lately discovered or or never mm -hmm. discovered. And and also as an artist, I feel like it's it really depends on your status as mm -hmm. an artist, mm -hmm. yeah. what you can say and what you can deal with. Mm -hmm. Because yes, uh, yeah, like Jeff Koons could you know make a giant penis. And, he pretty and, much does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all he does. <laughs> and um, yeah, whereas yeah, like uh, you know, uh, the collective in Dallas, five hundred X, as I understand it, was I... was shut down yeah. because uh, the landlord didn't approve of the programming in like an LGBTQ exhibition mm -hmm. and and that caused a riff and caused the place to the the collective to lose their lease for an ex, the exhibition space right. and that just happened like two three years ago yeah yeah mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah. yeah yeah it depends what kind of power you're bringing star power you're bringing yeah yeah true absolutely i mean power is everything yeah yeah um, yeah I mean, and that's something that I got out of this movie, too. I mean, mm -hmm. it was sort of the beginning of my, my, you know, understanding of power and um, the importance of spectacle. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and like we talked about it being uh, propaganda and how sort of uh, like 
bolstering and motivating it is it's like you you get behind this injustice Mm -hmm. and you're rooting Mm -hmm. against the romans and they're just (laughs) so unredeeming and cruel that uh yeah your alliances are so clearly with ben her Mm -hmm. yeah and even in the final chariot race that you know (gasps) just how unfair it is because masala is has these uh spikes yeah. to these like blades on his chariot wheels and he's he's riding near pe- uh, other other chariots and chopping their chariots to bits yeah. and somehow i feel like there's something uh sort of announced that once inside the gladiatorial arena like that all bets are off like dead. everything is yes. fair and, right. and it kind of seems like capitalism. Like, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. The we, Arabic character who owns the horses that that Ben Hur races, oh, he's yeah. the one who says there are no laws in the arena or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because that's it. <laughs> so I found out that um, a lot of the Ro- the actors playing um, a Roman character wore brown contact lenses. Yes. Yes. And then, of course, there is the character Balthasar. Balthasar? Uh huh, Balthasar. Uh huh. And he, of course, was in brown face. And it, it, it was. <laughs> oh, so... Balthasar, Balthasar was. Uh... Was that? Oh, shoot. It oh, was... he was the one who was seeking Jesus. Shit, um, you're right. It was the, uh, the, the Sheik, Sheik character Sheik, who bad. had the Arabian yeah. horses, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hugh, right. Hugh Griffith is his. Um, his name yes yes and And he was irish wow 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 wow. it was so jarring to see because you just i don't think hollywood does that anymore today thankfully although there have been obviously some critiques of whitewashing in hollywood um but man that was like oof it just it was so um caricature yes scarlett johansson recently played an Uh, asian i believe uh Uh, (laughs) i forget what it was in but it was like well you know it's just really hard to find asian actors (laughs) (laughs) there's probably only yeah yeah thousands of them to choose from and you know i kind of I think what Hollywood is trying to do is they want to get these big names to bring the draw of the audience because yes, basically yes. they're just trying to make their money back and then some. Um, but like, so Scarlett Johansson <laughs> or the other one I can think of that was in um, Prince of Persia. Who the fuck? He's a, such a big actor. And Jake oh. Gyllenhaal was oh, you know, he, he Persian. Persian. <laughs> okay. It's like, ah. Uh, it's so not Persian, but you know they're wanting that big the name, name to yeah. put on, uh, you know, the posters, and and so it's it's really, you know, it's unfortunate that they can't, you know, cast. Yeah. Somebody. But then I also well, they're sh- at the tail end of that. I feel like yeah. that's just not going to be stood for anymore. I don't and, know, okay. and it's going to be an embarrassment. So a recent uh, question that's come up is uh, it's Darren Aronofsky's most recent movie, The Whale. Right. Do you have y'all heard about Brendan Fraser? Plays a obvious person. So I haven't right. seen it yet, um, but it's been criticized a bit for mm-hmm. um, you know the portrayal of a fat person and um, like 
all the baggage that comes with it and the problems. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, the, this character, as I understand it, he kind yeah. of eats himself to death. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Is that what he, Well, it's like he's Jesus. obese and yeah. uh, I don't know if you've heard this too, Celia, but uh, like I, I heard that like there are these scenes where he's eating and the musical cues mm. make it seem like really uh, like tragic or eerie or right. like menacing that he's eating. Right. So <laughs> I feel like, you know, uh, the community of bigger people yeah. are like, why are you demonizing like heavier people? Because we, we deal with this in, in day in On and day a daily out. Basis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but like the criticism comes from like Brendan Fraser is in a fat suit and they didn't oh, actually yes. get an obese yeah, no, actor. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and while right. Brendan Fraser I think has struggled with his weight, but not to that extreme. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. I mean it it is kind of nice to see Brendan Fraser come back on the screen, but you know, I mean and he has received a lot of praise for his performance. Mm -hmm. But it does kind of ask this question in Hollywood, which is like, how much of, like, how transformative should an actor be in a role? Or should they, you know, can, and, and I suppose that the, the, it really comes down to a historical sort of problem uh, with white people, which is wearing brown and black face and, mm -hmm. or red face and, being these kind of caricatures and so it has origins in that but you know it's like I don't think it, I mean obviously that's not okay anymore but it, it has brought up some really interesting questions you know yeah that's true and also it, it's reinforcing the sense that there should be self-loathing there right. there should uh -huh. be a mm -hmm. desire right. to destroy it's self-destructive mm -hmm. and uh -huh. in a time when we're supposed to get be getting people to yes. have more self-respect and more exactly. self-awareness etc so many studies prove that um the negative is criticism is so harmful to people like that does not mm -hmm. help at all it does not help mm -hmm. so you're making things worse and Did you hear that, Mom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. yeah, but being yeah. critical, I mean, nobody is going to be inspired by a sort of, you know, negative critique. Absolutely. Of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, I think, and I, li so I listened to this amazing podcast, and it's super, super famous um, that I think everybody should be listening to it. It's called Maintenance Phase, and it's about these, like, diet myths and, like, how oh. fucked up, like, these ideas about fat people and, like, like sometimes people are just on a certain drug and it makes them heavier. Oh, or, right, right. You know, it's like... It, yeah, the side effects of drugs. Right, yeah, so, like, you often. really don't know what's going on with, with a person. There are many causes, right, yeah. and, and it's just wrong to pass judgment mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. it. Right, exactly. right. Well... Celia, are there things that like uh, revelations or you know epiphanies you had rewatching Ben Hur? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe that that's I got too much weight to call it an epiphany. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say that I, I can't think about it except in terms of what it meant to me mm -hmm. when I was young. I love that. And, yeah, I really can't think of it beyond that. Because I didn't know you when you were nine, and that's a no, very, very interesting very few that's people did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did think, I thought it was interesting, Celia, that you mentioned um, in an email that 
the leprosy that the mom and the sister had could have been actually just um, uh, psoriasis, is that? Yes, yes. or vitiligo. They didn't, what oh. the biblical disease, there's no evidence that, that they actually had leprosy uh -huh. at that time. Right. And so they, leprosy was just seen as a mark of God because you had sinned and... So leprosy could have been wow. anything. I mean, if you had mold on the walls of your house or oh, wow. uh, spots on your clothes, you know, you were unclean uh -huh. and you were to be shunned. So they wouldn't have necessarily been put into a leper colony. They uh -huh. would have just been shunned by the community, wow. which is dangerous. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, in a small community like that, oh, yeah. to oh, yeah. be shunned is uh, like a death sentence. Right, yeah. to be ostracized, mm -hmm. right, for mm -hmm. any... Um, and, and it's interesting too, that it is seen as retribution from God, mm -hmm. that it's yes. like, it's a, it's not like, oh, this is disease and we understand disease. It's like God is punishing you in particular. Mm -hmm. And then yes. you have to be isolated because we're all afraid that some of, some of it's going to rub off on us or mm -hmm. we're going to be affected by it somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to mention too, that leprosy is actually now, I feel like the, Contemporary definition of it is called Hansen disease or Hansen's right. disease. Like the Hansen right. brothers that were. Yeah. <laughs> That's who it's named I still after. Have some of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, we're not paying you, Hansen brothers, for that soundbite, uh, <laughs> for that musical cue. But um, that it's, it's because there are current, like, uh, I. I I guess what you call leper colony, or you used to call leper colonies. I, th right. I feel like there's one in Hawaii and one in Louisiana, mm -hmm. and that like there is now treatment for leprosy. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. So, so it's not uh, what it used to be. It was like this fatal disease, and it disfigured you. And um, and I think it was, yeah, it was because it was so disfiguring. It, it uh -huh. struck fear in people, but yes. it is not that contagious. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh. it's they're they're not sure exactly how people get it, but uh -huh. it is not it's not that easy to catch it. Yeah, I really felt for the mom and the sister. I mean, they uh, they really gave a pretty convincing performance um, when they. Did, I thought so. Yeah, when, yeah, they were sort of um, you know ostracized in this sort of cave like camp area, and like they were just horrified. Like they would rather be dead to uh, Judah than her than for him to know about what happened and this this shame right in that right and, oh man that's a very familiar uh -huh. familial dynamic mm -hmm. is that like right. we're going to lie to you, we're about, dead. that we're mm -hmm. dead yeah instead mm -hmm. of just being honest about where we've gone because we're trying to protect you but we're just damaging you and yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> wow that's real true yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I kind of was thinking about your piece at the Nasher with that a little bit, Celia. And I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I'm real curious. I, I didn't did. get to see this. It. I saw your the video that's on the Nasher. Well, um, I can put the link in the description. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that piece? Because that was pretty recent. Oh, yes. Um, so I had this giant hand mm -hmm. that appeared to be manipulating all these little dancers. And I had um, 
electronic music that the dancers moved to, mm-hmm. and it was about artificial intelligence uh-huh. and you know all the fears of sort associated with artificial intelligence. Oh and, God, yes. And I'd been I had actually been thinking about how we might come to think of artificial intelligence as God, mm-hmm. and, oh. and because we would think that it view everything. You know, eventually we would become to see it as a higher intelligence and that it would know everything Mm -hmm. Uh and that we would have to answer to it and that we would let it be the final say, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm feeling that actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, that's kind of how that that whole project started. And it went through several permutations in my head. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so then eventually, I mean, I really wanted to have real people dancing to the music uh-huh. under and the hand would be above a dj who is appeared to be controlled <laughs> ah, well, by the hand mm-hmm. there's a 2.0 perhaps mm-hmm. happening yeah yeah so it could be a 2.0 so in this installation they're actually uh, like dolls or like human effigies right they're they're sort of human effigies what's the uh, scale of them i think the tallest one is about 12 to 14 inches okay and then they okay, go great. down to like two inches uh-huh <laughs> and they're two and they're all sitting on top of boxes to you know the boxes have the little motors inside that okay uh actually make them move okay okay and, and all the wires centralize in the hand mm-hmm. yeah so and the hand then and the hand starts playing when the music starts playing and yeah. then all the little dancers start up so they're being manipulated. Mm-hmm. Did you collaborate with someone over the mechanics of this? Oh, yes. I had to have a lot of help. <gasps> Unfortunately, I have no, talented family members. That's excellent, though. I mean, yes. like, I don't expect you to learn about robotics because you want to, <laughs> uh, like, realize a piece of sculpture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're allowed to have some technicians on your side. Yeah. yeah. So my husband knows how to wire things up. He's good with electrical things. And he, you know, gears and things like that. That's right. Isn't he a mechanic? Yes, he's a mechanic. Yeah, so. yeah. And so uh, my daughter is really good with electronics. <laughs> yeah. So she did the programming for it. I mean, oh, she found wow. the the kind of um, uh, electronics that we needed to operate it, and she programmed it for me. And, and then my daughter-in-law made uh-huh. the music for it. I mean, she composed oh. all of it, so it's oh totally original. Oh my God, this original. is a family. Yeah, it project. was a family. I love project. that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I'm lucky to have these people to rely on when I come up with some wild idea. Absolutely, yeah. This piece was so sad to me. Like there is such a sadness to oh. the work. I think. Um, was it like a control thing, or was the the yeah. The soundtrack? I mean, sometimes music can really set the mood. That's true. I think it's just the, the way that it was sort of, these the characters were so small, the little figures. Uh-huh. And the, the, they didn't seem like they had any agency in the uh, situation. The robot yeah, that's overlord. The point. Yeah, and right. it just kind of was a little hard. I mean, it was it's very whimsical and playful looking, but it, it is kind of like this little sad piece. It's... Um, and I think a lot of your work, Celia, has this, um, sometimes it has this sort of 
it's almost like more melancholy in a way, um, uh-huh. but it's it's also tends to be kind of whimsical at the same time. So you have this really beautiful like aesthetic, um, but yeah, it really resonated here with me. Does that oh, surprise okay. you, Celia, to like hear feedback about your work uh, and like someone having this emotional response to it? Uh, no, because uh, I've been hearing about emotional responses for years, uh-huh. and I've. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, it makes me feel good. Uh-huh, I feel like I've uh-huh. achieved something because I feel like my subject matter is very dark, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but I try to mitigate it with beauty or humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and so that's really what I am doing. And yeah. so when you get that out of it, yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm appreciative. I, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm doing what I want to yeah. do. That's brilliant. I, I'm picturing someone coming to you with this feedback and being almost apologetic about oh. like, I'm, your work made me sad. <laughs> your work made me think about, yeah, something. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, the people who have come to me with that, I think they, they wanted to tell me, you know, this is what I felt. And, mm-hmm. and so it, I, I welcome that. I will say the only uh, comments that I've received that have really stung, and it's not, <laughs> you know, like formal criticism. Um, conceptual criticism, bring it on, whatever. But please do not call my work cute. I really <laughs> fucking hate that. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, oh my God. I can't wait to oh, see yeah. that to you. <laughs> yeah. I just want to punch oh, you in the Oh, let's see. What is the one that I don't like? It's something like, um, it's Quirky. Oh, that's yeah. the one that I can't quirky. stand. Yeah. You sound like it sounds like it's from a Wes Anderson movie or something. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, if it were that, that would be fine. That's but quirky true. to me sounds more, um, oh, uh, uh, like kitschy. Infantile or oh, kitschy. I yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but not in a good way. Hide what's yeah, in not your, in a good way. Your most uh, annoying oh gosh criticism. you know i feel like it's it's it might seem really absurd that i say this mm-hmm. because uh for audience that doesn't know i do a lot of uh like nude portraiture and and uh, if i find that someone responds to the work in an overtly sexual way oh, i ooh. get really defensive uh-huh. because oh. because i feel like i have a certain um, say obligation to my models to protect them because mm-hmm. it's like they're participating in this work and they've trusted me mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. I haven't presented them in an overtly sexual way mm-hmm. and so when someone has that response I think like what are you looking at mm-hmm. because I've, <laughs> like, I've worked really hard to not neutralize the sexuality here mm-hmm. but to elevate what it is that it's a complex emotion and not just like yeah, like about genitals or a nipple or something like that. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you may, but it, but it happens it. again and again. I'm sure it yeah. does. And, yeah, and by really surprising, mm. I, once I had a, a, a psychologist come and ask me about like a man's genitals that oh was depicted. God. And I was like, out of this like beautiful drawing, yeah. like that's what you're focused on? Like, yeah gross it's the <laughs> it's the surface versus the soul mm-hmm. yes basically mm-hmm. yes you're you're capturing the soul when they're just looking at the surface i think i think that's exactly right 
Uh, I mean, what, what? I mean, thank you for saying that, Celia. That's that's very flattering. Uh-huh. Uh, but I but I do think you're right in that. Like that's at the core of what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to titillate. I'm trying to like mm-hmm. explain but if something you look at bigger. The, yeah. If you look at the eyes, you know, and the expressions of your models, they're all just. You feel like you know that person in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And quite often you do. Quite I, often you I've, do. I've drawn all of our friends. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Celia, have you been a model for Hyde? No, I have not. Oh. Well, I think this is Aaron proposing that we collaborate, <laughs> Celia. Oh my God, I'm so old now. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> Well, no pressure, yeah. no pressure, but like, we'll, we'll be in contact. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say hi. Uh, let does... me let my hair get a little longer. Oh, and then oh, like, it's so long that it covers your entire body. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I hear you, Celia. <laughs> Lady Godiva. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Hi, I do remember you did. You were generous with the liquor. Uh, if one. Oh no! Now it sounds like I exploited you. I <laughs> know. Uh, requested um, a little courage. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm very much appreciative of that because oh. I have always been so shy, uh-huh. and as you know. It's funny because I guess artists, you get this reputation as being very free-spirited. Right, right, right. You know, all that. And I'm just not that way at all. And so you get very, you know. Yeah. No, I know yeah. it, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like that. But, but it, and it's, it's so complicated. But, I mean, I've, I do feel like the energy, even if it's like hesitation mm-hmm. or um, like shyness or, uh, like that feeds into the work, like, mm-hmm. and it, I feel like it makes a model more present, mm-hmm. and and it certainly like it's a different, it's a different kind. It, well, I don't want to talk about my work anymore because this episode is about Celia uh-huh. and Ben Hur and, and, and Chicken Marsala, yeah, and, and Chicken Marsala, and, and Chicka Boom Boom, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, but th- but thank you both for. Uh, um, yeah, it is interesting yes. to hear how artists mm-hmm. are responding to the response to their work. Yeah, exactly. I, I no, will, I think that's yeah. important. I'll mm-hmm. say, I will right. say this. I do think that for folks who don't have maybe the language of art at their disposal, they'll just say the shit that comes out of their mouth. Right. And it's, you know, it's not fair that they might not have access to certain types of appropriate or even just ways of looking at art and so i always give people Mm -hmm. kind of the benefit of the doubt like whenever they say cute i'm thinking oh they just don't know the other words you know that might be more um you know more well descriptive appropriate like honoring yeah yeah yeah. i'm like i'm not making beanie babies but (laughs) i think that was good Uh not i mean it's not bad also i think sometimes people are afraid to talk about art because uh-huh. it's like yeah it's actually being vulnerable mm-hmm. like do yeah. i understand this enough to be articulate about it am, yeah. am i having the right and response honestly from teaching for so many years i think people struggle just describing it like mm-hmm. there's even just struggle just to say like what are you looking at and that's always the first <laughs> step i just tell everybody and i still do that myself i'm like let me just take a moment to just describe it in my head. 
um, and really take it in because there's, you know, sometimes you kind of get lost in like, well, where should I start? And it's like, uh, just start with the obvious stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, this is all stuff that like has taken years and years of practice. Oh God, yes. A lot of people just don't have those tools, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if anybody's looking at art and they're trying to talk about it, I'm always like, I'll I'll clap my hands for you. You know, (laughs) like you're brave. So I appreciate that. But, um... Yeah. Yeah. Well, Celia, thank you for bringing us this epic fucking movie. <laughs> and I can brag could, could, now. Could you not find a four-hour yeah. movie, Celia? <laughs> I tell you, this is the one that I remember yeah. from my childhood that really affected me. Yeah. So. And, yeah. and, to, and the, there's, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, to be honest, I, re- I enjoyed it. I was glad to have this experience to watch it. Well, it it does. It's action. I mean, it mm-hmm. keeps going and it keeps you enthralled. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really got me and that I always remembered and that I couldn't find out for years and years was about those giant figures in the middle of the racetrack. Yes. Like, yeah. They only show up for a few seconds okay. at a time. And I wanted to see them more and I wanted to yeah. know about them. I was so curious, yeah. you know. I, and I was... Over, I was wondering if they were painted, if they were, or if they were actual. Like if they maybe... were actually constructed. Okay, yeah. okay. I found that out, but you, I was only able to find out what they were, what they were intended to represent, uh-huh. by finding an old eBay listing for one of the gouache design oh, right. drawings. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, what is it? They're, they're gladiators. Oh, that. Yeah, I sense. thought they were some kind of gods, right. you know, Roman yeah. gods or something. But which ones were they? They didn't seem to, huh. you know, match up with anything. Uh-huh. And um, so, so I was just enormously curious. And even, you know, over a period of time, I began to think maybe they weren't even fully, mm-hmm. uh, fully uh, sculpted because mm-hmm. they showed so little of it. Mm-hmm. But to think, I mean, that's the power is to think about yeah. constructing this entire thing it's that's only, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, only seen for a little bit of time. Yeah, uh-huh. That uh-huh. is crazy. I, yeah, I did that's find... dedication to the art. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I did find out off imbd.com that some of the props were sold in the 70s, um, sort of liquidating the studio's assets. And evidently, in an energy <laughs> crisis, somebody was driving one of the chariots <laughs> on ah! the highway. I think they got a That's ticket. That's hilarious. Maybe, but, uh, oh, oh, my God. God. I'm like, I wish I could have seen it. That would have been amazing. Clip, clop, clip, clop. <laughs> but you, know, you know, gas prices. Gas prices I just took, I'm just going to take the chariot, hon. Oh, my goodness. And I don't know if you know this, too, Celia, but um, there was a lot of merchandise um, produced from this movie. So I did not know that. <laughs> according to IMBD, they had books, toys, candy, perfume, neckties, jewelry, gowns, cherry-shaped tricycles, Ben Hur, and Ben His bath towels. Um, oh no! So it was a wild. Like actually, I think I might have seen those bath towel oh towels God. now that you mentioned it. It's just it isn't hers. Mwah, you know, it hers doesn't get better. I love that. Like, and I I did read that. Um, 
there was some people asking like when this was released and it was so incredibly popular and like what was it that drew people to this movie was it the set and the acting and and everybody said it was like the religious stuff uh-huh, like they just uh-huh. liked the religious storytelling um and so it really resonated with a lot of people but i was really glad to like i feel like this is a good one for me to watch because i wouldn't have watched it on my own um but it's nice to kind of see it as you said like it's like it is a peek into the time and the the cultural values and Mm -hmm. you know and and like your work kind of keeps kind of touching back to this idea that you know we have these through lines through our culture, through our storytelling, you know, and they just, it never stops, you know, these, right. mm-hmm. these ideas, these, these themes of, of meaning. Yeah. And so often we have no idea where they came from. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like what's such an intrinsic part of our culture uh-huh. that we've never mm-hmm. questioned it, but yeah. that it right. did come from somewhere. Like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I just wanted to say this one thing about how I was having lunch with a friend today and we were talking about capitalism and how many parts of our culture that we think are traditions oh, yeah. are, it's capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's like holidays, right. capitalism, yes. like uh-huh. <laughs> ideas yeah. about ourselves, like our roles, mm-hmm. like our uh-huh. gender, capitalism, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, well, um, exactly. You know, I, I have my I have a soapbox moment <laughs> at least once an episode. But you're right. You know, uh, we could keep going with this. this oh yeah. Topic. You, oh yeah. I will say this that um, I know like some things that we often shame people for. Like I know, for instance, um, like the grief that we have over losing a loved one, like a partner, mm-hmm. um, like all like that. Those horrible feelings like that you want that you feel like you're gonna die though they actually have deep roots in our um, ancestral kind of like tribal kind of either we're being rejected and we're we're really very vulnerable and even though you know we're just like oh just get over it you know it's like that those actually go mm-hmm. really 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 deep mm-hmm. and it's like right. all of this stuff that's still like what is it there's this saying that it's like we have like like um, our brains of our ancient ancestors, like the Neanderthals or something, mm-hmm. with medieval institutions and godlike technology. Like it's no wonder we're <laughs> yes. struggling all yes. the time. Our, wow, our morals, mm-hmm. our morals cannot keep up Mm-mm. with the technology yeah. and the mm-hmm. advancement in science. We just yeah. can't. We're, we're so and, underdeveloped, mm-hmm. under-evolved. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even what stands in for morals right now is is judgment and subjugation yeah. instead yeah, yeah, of like, yeah. Right. yeah. Like virtue signaling. Yeah. And that kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ugh. Celia, what, <laughs> yes. what do you have on board? Like what, oh, what's yeah. next for you? Yeah, I know your show at um, oh, yeah, Worley. Yeah, yeah. Um, what co- do, yeah. you, do you feel comfortable talking about work that you've yet to produce? No, I do <laughs> yeah, not. I thought as soon as I said that, I was like, yeah, I don't, li- I don't like this either. I feel like it's a, a huge jinx. Like, nope, not going to tell I, you. I'm well into this body of work mm. for uh, Chris Worley, though, so I can talk about it a little sure. bit. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've, I've been toggling back and forth for several years between technology and nature. Mm. And so right now I'm using wood veneers to create collages. Oh, beautiful. And, 
Yeah, so I'm going to call it the flesh of trees. Ooh. So that's that kind of gives you an idea of where I'm going with that. Yeah, it kind of gave me a tickle. <laughs> yeah. That can't wait to see it. Hey, well, listen, thank you so much. Well, thank you guys yeah. for including me in this. Yeah. It's yeah. been so much fun. Yeah. What a treat. What an yeah. honor. I know. Oh, thank yeah. you. It's my honor, too. Well, uh, audience, look out for uh, Celia's next exhibition at Chris Worley. And in 2024, an uh, 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 exhibition Excuse at Blue Star in San Antonio. Yeah. Thank you, Celia. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Our pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye. I don't believe in miracles. All life is a miracle.